Hello, this is Leela Viss, and welcome to Key Ideas. Piano teaching doesn't come bundled with ready-made solutions. This podcast highlights some brilliant options for innovative piano teachers just like you. Today, I share this Spotlight episode with good friend Dorla Price Aparicio. Dorla and I met about eight years ago at a small piano teacher conference in Dallas, and since then, we've run into each other several times at other piano teacher conferences. Now we stay in touch quite often as she sells some of her innovative resources at lelavis.com. Dorla has an exceptional ability to design and implement group piano classes and camps that keep kids coming back for more. Her popular summer camps mix playing the piano with science and even sea creatures. Here's more about Dorla. Dorla Price Aparicio, or Miss Dorla as their students affectionately call her, has been teaching early childhood music, private and group piano, for more than 30 years. She received her Master of Music degree in piano pedagogy from Texas University in Fort Worth, Texas, maintains a full teaching schedule with over 40 students in her private studio, and is an adjunct music professor at the university in Keene, Texas. Dorla supports busy group piano teachers, music educators, and studio owners with organized and engaging resources that will help them offer excellent group piano. Head to the show notes at lelavis.com slash keyideas to learn more about her innovative piano camps and piano pyramid repertoire. Now, here's Leela's conversation with Dorla. In this episode, Dorla shares her roller coaster ride as the pandemic forced her to pivot and upload her group piano studio to Zoom. All right. Welcome, Dorla. It's good to have you here. I know so many are wondering how you are managing. You are a leader in the group piano world, and so many look up to you for answers. How does one take a thriving group piano studio to a place it's never been before? We could almost call it the final frontier. Oh, my goodness. The final frontier makes me think of Star Trek or Star Wars or I hear the music in my mind. Um, It's been very stressful, extremely stressful because I had so many plans for this year for my piano camps. Uh, You know, we had talked about having those in your store and, you know, I had a plan working and getting them ready and all that fell apart. And then, cause I had to stop in order to get ready to, from one week to another, be able to continue teaching online. And what was I going to do? And so I, I just started, you know, uh, making plans and my plans were very lofty because <laughs> I really thought that we were just going to be doing this for two weeks. So I had a plan for two weeks and I bought stuff for, to send to the kids and this is going to be fun. And we're still online here in Texas. It's yeah. So I am a little better. I think I've accepted it better now um, because I'm not go, 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 go trying to catch up, but I still don't like it. I like that my dress code has changed completely. That's been a good thing. And not having to clean as much. We had, you know, clean every day because people were coming in. 
So those are good things. But other than that, I just, yeah, I never thought I was going to miss having people here so much. I know the one thing that I like the most is being able to push that leave button and then they're gone, right? You know, there's not residuals that just kind of hang on forever. But tell me how long it took for you to pivot. How long from when you got the word that you could no longer teach in person to moving online? How long did that take? Um, Well, it was during spring break. So that was a good thing. Um, So it was basically one week. Okay, I should say two. Because I had already started my one week spring break. And then I just had to email everybody, said, we're going to take one more week off, just like the school is doing. And then we started online. So it was a two-week. Now, I need to say that I have been teaching online for 10 years, but not groups. So I knew how to work with Zoom. I knew how to, that I need, needed to have a copy of everything, which I do anyway with my kids in studio. So that was not a problem. I teach my groups, and since I write the music for them, I have the music here at the studio, and I hand it out in class. And I wasn't going to be able to do that. So I had to prepare in those two weeks, like, what? I can't just decide, oh, we're going to do this this week. So that was the biggest change for me. So to think fast and think ahead so that you could get all your items in line. And how did you deliver things that students needed? Did they come and pick them up? No, I went ahead and and mailed everything. So I had music planned. Um, So I had to make copies and then make packages for the different groups. And I mailed it. Um, And going to the post office was traumatic for me. Because I got there and they didn't have any shields up. There was no hand sanitizer. There was nothing. And I, I mean, this was just the first week where everybody's thinking, I'm, I'm about to die, you know. So I said, I can't do this anymore. I, so after I did that first mailing, I figured out how to do it just from home. And that was so much better. But yeah, I did like two or three mailings during all the way up to May to keep my students with their music. So now students have their music. They know how to get on Zoom. You're running your classes. What does a class look like for you now, a group class on Zoom look like for you now? Actually, this week, I think, uh, just posted a a video of my frustrations. Um, Oh, my goodness. I normally have six to eight kids in my class, in my studio. And they're all, uh, except the preschoolers, ages 8 to 14 are mixed together. They're different levels, different ages. And so doing that online is like, whoa, I can't do that with that many kids. Not the way that I teach group. So it was a bit, it was a learning curve because there's devices that are all different there's connections that are all different. So having all of those together mixed in with different levels of playing and not being able to play together, Mm -hmm. 
that has just been like a little volcano that's been ready to erupt. <laughs> and so um, that, that has been very frustrating for me, very frustrating. And can you tell that your students are frustrated with it as well? Or are they, do they hang loose and they're okay with Miss Dorla? And I have to say that I truly believe they're okay. Okay. Um, I see frustration in their faces. And so that's what frustrates me. And I try to fix it right away. So I've been sending video, practice videos during the summer, I only did private lessons online. And I also opened up um, practice with Miss Dorla. So every day there was two hours that I was just here in my studio. It was a Zoom open. So if you wanted to come and practice with me, you could. And because I wanted them to feel like I have access to my piano teacher at any time when, uh, to help me. So those things, I think, made the families feel like, okay, this is going to work. Those families that I felt like, ooh, this is not going to work, I talked to them before they called me, and we've ironed some things out. I did lose students. Um, Some never said, yes, I'm coming. No, I'm not coming. They just disappeared, have not contacted me for nothing at all. Wow. Not answered my emails, my nothing, nothing. Others, um, one little girl, I think she was eight, she said, Miss Dorla, I just can't. I want to be at your studio, Miss Dorla, please, please. And uh, so, um, but other than that, the majority are okay. And we've make, made it work. And what progress have you seen? Have you seen something take off that you were surprised by? And, and also, I do want to back up and ask a little bit more about that open Zoom time. That's a brilliant idea. And did students take you up on it? Yes, on the Zoom uh, practice with Miss Dorla. So I, I emailed the parents about it. And they kind of like didn't get it. So during class, I would always remind them you know, I'm going to be online between one o'clock and three o'clock. Uh, I have the waiting room um, activated. So you can just uh, check in and I can see who the order that you're in. And that's the order that I will practice with you. And I'll do it for, if there's four kids, you know, I'll do 10 minutes. And I can just send them a message in the waiting room saying, you know, you're going to be next. Uh, there's three people in front of you or anything like that. So some kids would come on every day. <laughs> Miss Dorla, I want to play a song for you. And so, Aww. yeah. And some never, never checked in, but I always reminded them that that was available. So I did that for all of summer. Uh, so the two, June and July, that was available. Um, and then it, when it started winding down, then I... T- Uh, took it off especially when we were if we were only doing private lessons then that was not needed any longer Mm -hmm. Uh, then your other question was oh the progress correct I was just I was just thinking about that um, this week um, after I posted my video of all my well not all my frustration but one particular class and this week where the change that I had made was that I made that class smaller. 
actually I made all my group listens. There's no more six to eight. It's four or less. So I either have three or four in each class now. And so that just made me more relaxed mm -hmm. and I could interact and give everybody uh, time to unmute and for the phone to fall and for me to turn them off because, you know, the dog is barking too loud. <laughs> There's time for all that to be frustrated. And that's really what we needed, that space. But this week, the progress was like, They played for me, and I was so happy. I was so happy. And then I realized, and I know this is, I'm, I'm pushing my music right here with what I'm going to say. But um, previous weeks, I was working with other group piano material that is for students that are all the same age. Mm -hmm. This week, I started with uh, one of my piano pyramid songs where everybody's different level playing the same song and it was just perfect perfect the way that we were able to do it online so that was very um rewarding for me as a as a teacher to you know to hear the kids say miss dorla this prep piano this level is too easy for me Can I try the next level? And I'm like, yes, yes, that's exactly what I want. I want you to decide that. So that was very, very exciting for me. Step back just a second. So did you have them actually playing together on Zoom or they just played one at a time? So we do play together on mute. <laughs> it's not on Zoom, it's on mute. I like that. It's on mute, yes. So um, I don't know. I want to believe that piano teachers are so used to doing this. You can tell what the kids are doing just by looking at their fingers. When they're here in person, I don't need to connect, you know, an extra pair of headphones in order to hear them. I can tell what they're doing and if they do it wrong. Um, and I'm assuming that all piano teachers do the same. So when they, I see them online, um, I ask them to place their, it doesn't always happen, but their device where I can see their hand. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's, it's worked out pretty well. So what I do is I, I play. They can all hear me, and you're supposed to stay with me. Ah. So that is our playing together. Yeah. Then I switch it. So I say, okay, now, Leela, you're going to lead. All of us are on mute. We can all hear you and we play with you. Oh, nice. So that has worked out um, really well. And you know what's really cool? A mom videotaped that at home yesterday and sent it to me. And so I just loved it because I was like, oh, okay, it's working. It's working. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that would be awesome. a neat video to share. Maybe we could put that in the show notes just for people that. Yes. Because we are all looking for tips. We're hungry. We're, you know, really, mm -hmm. we're quite nosy, in fact, because we want to know <laughs> how people are doing things and how mm -hmm. is it working for you. And when you have a success, we want to know, right? Yes. Well, that's how we learn yes. is by watching others. Definitely. Oh. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So the waiting rooms, love that. Mm -hmm. And you play together on mute. Any mm -hmm. other spectacular tips that you have for group teachers well. like you? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I don't know if this is spectacular. We've been to, um, I've been talking about breakout rooms from the moment that we were online. Um, I, I don't remember. I was on YouTube learning, and that's how I uh, found it. I think it's great to be able to separate the kids. My kids, in general, do not like to be separated. They're like, no, no. <laughs> and uh, even yesterday, I have a group of girls that it's, um, they're amazing, even online. You know, they just do really well. But none of them wants to play out loud for everyone, but they don't want to go into the breakout room. So I'm like, I'm sorry. I really need to hear you. So if you're not going to do it for everyone, then I'm, so I separated them and, you know, I go around and listen to them. So that's another a uh, really cool thing that we can do. It's like having your headphones on. It, well, it almost sounds like time out for them. Yeah, probably. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I don't know how it looks on their side. Right. Because yes. I get to, you know, go into the different rooms and I can pair them up also. I've done that also. That's where they play for each other. Because one tip that I had heard about with using breakout rooms is breakout students and then have them teach each other mm-hmm. something. And do you have them play games at all when they're in breakout rooms together? No, no. Um, I do. I only, my kids are young. I have mostly, you know, beginning to early intermediate. Okay. So my games are either on PowerPoint or I have sent them the game board, and I use the PDF flashcards, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things like that. Okay. But uh, I'm also a little bit of a, I want to control what's going on. Yes. So. I agree. Well, especially because you don't have that much time with them, right? If you were a classroom right. teacher, you could maybe do those breakout rooms yeah. with games. But if you only see them once a week, you want Miss Dorla right. time with them, right? Yeah. I do. I do. And I can really, really tell if they're grasping uh, the concepts that we're learning for that week. So, yeah, I haven't done that, the games yet. Now, we've been talking about a lot of the positive things. Are there any other frustrations that you have or that you've encountered and you've overcome um, the the playing together, making music together. You know, we I've been able to figure out how to make it work. When I think about the music, and I'm like, I have not heard my kids play this together. So I, you know, once in a while, I'll send them videos of our recital where we all play together, so we can remember. You know, one day we're going to be able oh. to do this again. Oh, that's a neat idea too. I like that. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. And I believe, because I remember I asked you twice, what did you do for your recitals? And you kept saying, I had it in February. I said, I know, but what did yes. you do for your recitals? And said, I had it in February, meaning you got it in, you squeezed it in yes. before yes. The COVID started. <laughs> it was, uh, I think, two weeks after recital is when, poof, uh, wow, it was over. And this is the first recital that I do with group only there were absolutely no solo performances okay i rented this beautiful new um community center that we have in our town and i bought extra two extra keyboards because i wanted them all to be able to connect to my big new speaker and to be able to fit 200 people at once because we're all going to play only group pieces and i did that and it was fabulous i think it's Everyone loved it. 
everyone loved the energy of seeing the kids making music together. Right. And I didn't have to do anything, but I was, you know, having them start and conduct from a little corner at the front, but really having the audience sit all around the pianos and watch the kids just come up and perform together. It was just uh, so awesome. And then, so that has kept us alive, I think through. And now can you imagine, yes. Can you imagine going back to that? You know, when will that happen? I I know. I know. With mask on. I know. I guess so. And 15-minute increments. Okay, now you can come up, you know. I know. know. Well, Miss Dorla will be wondering how you figure that out. So we'll (laughs) be watching. So let us know. Are there now we've talked about the frustrations and it seems like that led right to the joys. It seems like, you Mm know, it's a double-edged sword in some ways, right? Yeah. And so are there any other joys? Obviously, you write music for multiple level students that Mm -hmm. meet at one time. So that is an amazing feat, number one. And it sounds like it's engaging music because your students like playing it. Yes, they do. And I think the fact that they're playing together just brings another level of enjoyment for them. So I always talk about how my beginning students, if this is your first lesson, but you're able to play with a student that is been playing for three or four years, you can like look back and say, wow, I'm going to be able to do that. Mm. And then my older students can look and say, yeah, I remember doing that. And wow, I've made good progress. But then the music also sounds really good. And I'm, I mainly use the, the, um, the classic piano repertoire that we use for teaching um, early intermediate uh, students. So those pieces are very engaging on their own. And I thought that the students nowadays would be like, oh, classical music, we don't want to do that. But um, they really love it. It's a matter of having them listen to it. And I'm, I'm excited about it. So I play it and I say, this is what we're going to do. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. So it's, it's been really interesting to have the whole group learn the same piece at a different level. And in some ways, you're helping them get under the hood of it as well, right? Because yes. they're seeing how Miss Dorla breaks things down. And that's only going to help them read and yes. understand music that much more. I, I, I like that. Break it down. Yes, because like the prep level, like yesterday we were playing Sonatina in C major, uh, Duncom, I think is his last name. Oh, yeah. Right, D-U-N-C. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know how to say yeah. his name. Yeah. But... Um, the lowest level is only playing C and G. Yeah. And the names are written in, on their staff. But then my uh, oldest level is playing the original. And so the harmonies that we're making together, of course, right now they can only hear it uh, in a recording, um, not themselves playing it. But it's just amazing how listening to the harmony and the different rhythms put together just makes the students uh, belong even more to the group. Mm. And you're activating their listening skills, right? They're not only playing, yes. but they're listening what the other people mm-hmm. are doing. That and have to sparks, focus. Yes, yeah. it sparks an idea for me even in my private lessons is if I'm playing the whole thing, at least have them play something along mm-hmm. with them, like the CNG or whatever. You know, I, I know of uh, 
can think of two teachers right now that use them for their 2020-20 class. And so they, um, they might be three different levels that are coming, but they have an ensemble time where they play together. Or if they are teaching siblings and they can, nice. oh, we can play together, but at our own level. And so there's, you know, different ways to use it. But yes, listening to those different components at the same time just um, makes you more of a musician, I think. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And the it's, other thing that you're teaching is a lot of mentorship skills for those older students as well. Maybe they don't even know it, but in the yeah. end, you're giving that to them yeah. as well. I hadn't thought about that. And I have to say that I learned this, uh, I guess, really paid attention to it, um, listening to my son practice uh, his rehearsals for band and orchestra. And what they do, I'm like, why aren't we doing piano this way? You know, because I see all the benefits of them being in a group doing this. So, you know, that I thought was a neat thing to be able to incorporate into group piano. Well, I'm sure people are going to want to know more about your music. So we'll make sure that we have links to that in the show notes as well. And it's called Piano Pyramid. Is that what it's called? Piano Pyramid. And that's your series of pieces. Yes, so the thank you. Um, The whole concept behind it being a pyramid is that we're laying this really strong foundation with our beginning students, and then as you move up in level, you go higher and higher. You're playing more difficult, but if you start with that good foundation of listening and reading and rhythm um, and focus, that you know you'll be able to build that that pyramid. Nice. I can tell that you are a pedagogy geek, just like me. Yes. Just a little <laughs> bit, maybe. <laughs> okay. Yes. So before we sign off, uh, I'd like, I'm a little curious. I'm actually a little nosy. I like to know <laughs> your quick answers to these three questions. Now I'm calling them okay. spark questions because I like flashbulb okay. things and you're in a spotlight episode right now. So are okay. you ready for your three questions? I kind of know you are because you already gave me your answers, which are really <laughs> fine, but no one else knows them yet. So here you go. The first one is okay. what's your favorite movie soundtrack? So Black Panther. I mean, and okay. I need to say yes. that I don't really pay attention to the music in movies. Yeah. I'm always like, what music? Everybody's talking about, like, I never pay attention. I'm watching the action right. and all that. Yeah. But when Black Panther came out, I loved the movie. I purchased it right away. I watch it a lot. And my kids are always like, why are you still watching that? <laughs> and, of course, you know, when Chadwick passed away last week, so yes. it was like, oh, my goodness, this is now horrible. Now it's all back. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm watching it again to remember how much I love this movie and the music but before that uh the firm um by uh, mm. i think it's dave grusen it was yes. all piano and i was like this is like the best other than that i can't think of any answer. no good answers all right so next question what's one book you couldn't teach without so it always comes to my mind and uh, a music learning theory for newborn and young children by edwin gordon I love Edwin Gordon. You know, when years ago I uh, did a, a training with him, a uh, two-week training, and 
for early childhood music and I was just fascinated. So in anything I teach, that's always like my go-to uh, theory of how I want to, my kids to learn. Yeah. So how would you, in a nutshell, mm-hmm. how, what is his approach? How would you describe it? Listening first, um, getting acculturated, kind of um, make that your environment, and then you imitate, and then you uh, begin to make up your own, and then you start reading and then writing it down. So I just love that. And, you know, with my piano pyramid, I, I th- it's hard to do it when kids are older. You know, if they could, they're eight years old, I, I don't have time to do all of that. But I thought that when we learn a piece, that's what we're going to do. While you're writing in measures, measure numbers, you are listening to what you're about to play. And then, you know, we do a lot of listening to the piece. And we, we sing it. I, they don't want to sing. I do the singing. But, um, and then I send them practice videos too so they can hear it over and over again. So it's a little harder to do with, with piano. But still, that is always in the back of my mind. Right. And now my really extremely nosy question. But I think these are so fascinating. <laughs> what would you consider a fail in your career that actually became a win in the end? Yes, I still remember washing dishes, looking out the window and crying. I was in my 20s and I had my studio already. I just started. I'd been newly married also. And I was, I had learned from Marin Cole about group piano. And I decided I was going to convert my whole studio into group piano lessons. And yeah, half of my studio said no. And I lost half of my students. And I just remember, yeah, I just made the announcement. I did not have a conversation with anyone. Uh, uh, No other teachers or the parents of the students, parents that were paying me to teach the students. You know, I just said, this is what we're doing. And it just, it was a fail because I lost half of my students, and I maybe had, what, 30, 35 students, and suddenly I had 17. Wow. And so that was very, very hard for me. But I, I didn't quit group piano. I kept doing it. Uh, I kept doing both, group and private. And now, 30-plus years later, uh, I'm still doing it, and I, I see the value of communicating with the families now, you know, we always, I send out a lot of emails and text and I call and we do that. Um, but uh, it was a fail at the moment, mm-hmm. but it really taught me um, communication is important. But I also learned that this was really what I wanted to do in my studio. I didn't want to do anything else. I do want to teach in a group setting and I've done it differently uh, through the years, but I've always continued. So. so the lesson from that too is the fact that, yes, you probably communicated it in a way that didn't sell all that great. But in the end, you did what you wanted to do. And I think that's the key, right? For teaching, you have to do it the way you yeah. want to do it. Yes, yes. And I have to say, um, the little girl that was in one of my private lesson, one of my group lessons that I just started, 
I am teaching her two sons now in preschool piano um, and her nieces. And, you know, that family has continued with me. Mm. Um, so they believe in what I'm doing. They can, and now she can play with her kids and this is how she learned. And, you know, I can see the value of it now, but I had a lot of doubt when I lost so many students because of my decision. Well, that's excellent advice for all of us still. Remember to, you know, think twice before we make a a major decision. Mm -hmm. But of course, we didn't have much choice in these past couple of months. So thank you so much for sharing your journey and and being transparent and letting us in on um, the hardships too, because we've all been there. My pleasure. My pleasure. All right. Thank you, Dorla. Thank you, Leela, for for including me on your podcast. I'm very honored to be able to talk with you. Take care. All righty. Dorla had fantastic tips that we can use immediately in our lessons. I hope that Dorla's willingness to share the deep dips, the steep grade, and sharp curves on her pandemic roller coaster ride gives you the courage to carry on and move forward despite life's circumstances. I leave you with this quote from investor Bill Ackman. I've always had the view that how successful you are is really a function of how you deal with failure. If you deal with failure well and you persist, you have a high probability of being successful. Take a moment and subscribe to this podcast so that you can catch the next episode. And I greatly appreciate your kind reviews. Until next time, hang in there and see you in the trenches. 